You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find I'm full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You are listening to episode 34 of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for everything related to Star Wars Episode 7, Star Wars Rebels, and all the exciting future projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. And as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host with me to talk about all this stuff. Tim, how's it going? Hey, Kyle. Doing pretty good, but I'm still kicking myself for missing the awesome Star Wars Rebels panel from WonderCon, which is right in my backyard where I live and not getting passes to go. Like, uh, I'm a fool. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Come on, Tim, get with the program. They, they have a rebels panel right down the street from you and you don't show up. It was like, they, I saw the announcement for, uh, the rebels panel. Like, I think it was a month or like three weeks before the actual WonderCon event. Because before that, I didn't hear anything. They're like, okay, I'm not missing anything. Nothing too big on the star Wars fronts going on. But then they announced that. And then I saw like Saturday tickets, like our passes all gone. So like, uh, <laughs> for shame i know i'll hang my head in shame (laughs) next time regardless of what's announced not like beforehand or not i just gotta like get passes apply for immediate pass or something regardless and just hope that there will be a star wars panel later on that gets announced but i'll learn my lesson from this one yeah and you know you guys are lucky out there in la because i'm planning to go to phoenix comic-con this summer and i looked up a list online of like the biggest comic cons that they have you know across the country and stuff because phoenix is like pretty big and i was wondering where it ranked on the list and it was kind of, i think it was like number seven on the list that i looked at but that also included like a couple from like toronto and vancouver so i think it might be it's somewhere between like the fifth and seventh biggest one in the u.s and it's actually bigger than WonderCon, at least in terms of like how many people they had there uh in 2013 and yet you guys are the ones that get all the you know, cool Star Wars panels and stuff. And I've seen some other stuff on Twitter and online where they had, um, you know, panels with different voice actors and animators and people talking about different animated shows and TV shows and all that kind of stuff. Whereas with Phoenix Comic Con, I mean, we get some pretty cool celebrity guests out here every year, but we don't really get anything where, you know, something new is announced for like a big show or something like that. So, I mean, I doubt we're going to get like Dave Filoni and any Clone Wars or Rebels people out here because even though WonderCon isn't quite as big of a convention for them, it's just all right in their backyard. So they just go there and show you guys all the cool stuff. Yeah, it it happens to be on LA. That's where all the uh, big stuff's going to (laughs) happen. But I heard WonderCon is getting bigger and bigger every year. Before, they never really used the whole Anaheim Convention Center. But I think this year... If they didn't use the whole convention center, they're pretty close. And, and since that's where Celebration Anaheim is going to be, you know that's going to take the whole convention center. It's going to use all the space it can. Yeah, that is going to be a whole lot of fun. Oh, yeah. We're just a little under a year now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, Michael Cohen was talking about that on Facebook the other day. And he was like, hey, guys, it's exactly a year till 
Celebration Anaheim, which I haven't even been thinking about because I'm getting ready for Phoenix Comic Con this summer, and then I'll start making Anaheim plans for next year. But yeah, all this stuff coming up is going to be fun. But you know what? Even though neither of us were at WonderCon for that Rebels panel, let's uh, run down the details because there was some pretty cool stuff coming out of there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, beforehand, I was kind of speculating, oh, we're going to get like the first real full-length trailer showcasing some of the early episodes that we're going to get an actual premiere date or some new clips. And it turned out we didn't get a full-length trailer or a premiere date, but we just got to kind of got the behind-the-scenes look. We got Dave Filoni at the panel, Vanessa Marshall, and then we did get to see a cool new clip and a pretty cool announcement regarding the music for Rebels. So even though we didn't get the things that we were kind of, I guess, at least for me anyway, expecting and hoping for, there were some pretty cool announcements made at this panel. So all in all, it was pretty cool. And then after it was all said and done, that's where I thought, yeah, I'm kicking myself for not going (laughs) because it sounded like an awesome time. Yeah, well, you know what? It's kind of like when we were waiting for the Clone Wars bonus content where you really wanted a trailer and I just wanted a release date. I was like, trailers can come later. Just tell me when I can see this stuff. Um, But yeah, we didn't get an air date or a big trailer, but we did get a cool new clip um, showing Hera and Chopper piloting the ghost and taking out a couple of TIE fighters. Watch, I guess they just took out one TIE fighter in this clip, but, um, it's pretty cool. You finally get like a good look at the animation and see, um, it's kind of like that classic Star Wars trilogy kind of feel with the space combat and all that kind of stuff going on. Um, and that clip is up on starwars.com. It's on their YouTube page. We've got links to it on our website and Twitter feed and everything. So, um, you guys should go check that out if you haven't seen it yet, but it looks pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's only like 30 seconds long or something, but Tim, did you, uh, take anything new away from that? Yeah, I just thought it was cool to finally see, it wasn't a full scene, but a few seconds worth of a scene play out because it wasn't like things cut together, like in those, uh, real short teasers we got a few months ago, the Spark and Ignite trailers. So it was cool to see a part of a scene play out. And I have to say, I was pretty impressed with the animation and how it looked. I mean, it's does have that similar feel to the Clone Wars, but at the same time, it's different. It's kind of weird to explain. And they were talking about this at the panel where I believe Killian Plunkett was saying that then they described it how this is going to be more, it will feel more like an animated series, the way characters move, and I guess the way things interact and move in the series and Clone Wars did, where they described Clone Wars as being kind of lifelike, I guess the way characters were designed to move and stuff like that. I can kind of see what he was talking about in this clip. I mean, I, I'm not a, someone who's into, like, an animation as far as, like, knowing the ins and outs of how the animation process works. But just from looking at it, it looked different from Clone Wars, but yet still had that same feel. And it looked really good. I thought it's shaping up to look great. And I thought it was cool that we even just – it was a quick shot, but I just love seeing the TIE Fighter pilot. <laughs> We're seeing those classic uh, Imperial costumes. We haven't seen the Stormtroopers yet. We've seen them in images and the posters yet. But as far as how they're going to be animated in the show, not yet. So it was cool to see a TIE Fighter in there, but – Overall, yeah, I was really impressed. The music sounded good in there, and we'll talk about that pretty soon. But, yeah, overall, I was real happy with it. It just got me more excited for the series. I mean, like I said, in some of the posts I made over at the rebelpodcast.com, we're just that the more clips I see, the more like panels they talk about, it, and just the more stuff they t- say about this series, just gets me more and more excited for I just can't wait for it. It's not too long. We're in April right now. It's supposed to premiere in the fall, maybe late summer, around August, September. So, it's going to be here before you know it, but it's looking really good, and I just can't wait for it. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat where just you know every time we see something new for this or get a new piece of information or see a new character or a new video or something like that, I just get more and more excited for it and think, 
okay, yeah, I've been telling myself all along that the show is in good hands with Dave Filoni and uh, Star Wars. Of course, it's going to be cool. But the more stuff we see for it, the more I'm like, yeah, this is really looking like it's coming together and looking good. And like you said, um, I was kind of surprised by how excited I got seeing that TIE fighter pilot in the clip. Um, yeah. Especially because I had heard descriptions like before the clip actually came online, I was following people who were like live tweeting it and stuff. And so I had read descriptions of the clip before I actually saw it. And I knew, okay, we're going to see Hera flying the ghost and she's chasing it on some TIE fighters. But for some reason, just that quick shot of the TIE fighter pilot in the cockpit of the TIE fighter she's chasing, I was just like, whoa, like for some reason that's just one of those things that brings you right back into the star Wars universe. It's like, it's not just these new characters, you know, going off on some different adventures, like in some far off corner of the star Wars universe. It's like, no, we're going to be right back in the thick of things with stormtroopers and tie fighters. And hopefully eventually, you know, some X wings and more rebels other than just the six characters that we've got so far. But um, yeah, I'm really interested to see um, obviously more of this than just this quick, sneak peek that we got and uh you know see where they go with it and where the stories take them and all this kind of stuff but uh yeah i mean the animation too was looking good and um like you said they they are going for a more animated look i guess you could say and i've kind of been predicting that all along i guess or at least describing it that way since we've been seeing um you know since we started seeing the characters and just sort of getting glimpses of what this style might look like and i think uh either dave filoni or killian plunkett described it at the panel as being um like 3d animation but having sort of the the facial expressions on the characters and the expressiveness of 2d characters that you would see in 2d animation where it's not so much um like the realism of clone wars but it's like they can get a little bit more exaggerated with the movements and the facial expressions and that kind of thing which I really don't mind because even if it might not look quite as lifelike, like you might expect from star Wars, I think it's going to fit perfectly within an animated series. And some of the complaints that people had about clone wars, especially early on in the series were that they thought it was too stiff and, you know, too rigid and that the animation was real kind of stiff and clunky. And so that might've been a result of them trying to make it look really lifelike. So by going in the other direction, maybe, it'll feel just more like a, a traditional animated series and people won't complain about the animated style so much. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, I just had that feel like you were saying. And another thing I noticed from the clip too, some of the dialogue that Hera was saying, I know a lot of speculations, but going on as far as like, who's actually going to be the leader of this group? Is it going to be Kanan since he's the one who's a Jedi or is it going to be Hera since she's the captain of the ghost and it's her ship? And she kind of made the comment when she was talking to Chopper where she referred to Kanan as like our fearless leader. It kind of sounded like she was saying that in a sarcastic way. So I wonder if it's going to play out where Kanan's kind of the one who maybe makes and points himself the leader, but really Hera's the brains of the whole group. And she's the one who's that kind of maybe everyone looks to as the leader, but Kanan maybe has that title officially amongst them. So I wonder if that's going to play out. There's going to be kind of like a conflict not a big one, just maybe something that they'll go back and forth on for maybe some like uh, comic relief where they're debating on who's like the actual main leader of the group. I hope it's not a big thing where it's like it's going to cause tension between them. I don't think it will, but I just thought found it kind of curious to see where she's referring to as the leader, but at the same time, she's been described kind of by Dave Filoni in some of the videos that we've seen too, where she's going to be like the heart of the group and probably the one people 
or the characters on the ghost are going to look up to. So I thought that was interesting and something I noticed in that clip where she referred to him as the fearless leader in a sarcastic way. Yeah, well, I think she is supposed or I, I think Kanan is supposed to be the leader because um, I think maybe that was in his character video that they released. But I remember thinking at first, um, I guess I was under the impression that Kanan was the one who owned the ghost because someone had said, or I'd read somewhere that he was the leader of the group. So I'm thinking, Oh, it must be his ship. Um, and then they came out with the video for introducing Hera and they said, she's the, you know, the captain and the pilot of the ship. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, she's the captain of the ship and they also have described her as sort of like the emotional core of the group, so to speak. But I do think Kanan is the leader in, in terms of sort of making decisions and taking charge and all that kind of thing. Um, sort of like in the way that in the original trilogy, Han Solo is the owner and the captain of the Millennium Falcon, but he's not necessarily the leader of the group. Um, Cause at the beginning, you know, Obi-Wan is the one that sort of is like spearheading this mission to go find the princess on Alderaan. And then after that, it's sort of Luke who takes charge and is, you know, wanting to fight the empire and Han's like, Hey, I'm just here for the money, whatever you guys are paying me to fly the ship. So, um, you know, I don't think Hera will have quite that sort of <laughs> detached laid back. I'm just here for the money kind of attitude that Han does, but at least from, from what they've revealed so far and in my interpretation of it, it does seem like Kanan is still sort of that central group leader. Now let's face it. From that clip, they're setting up Chopper to take over as a leader. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chopper's the Emperor Palpatine. Nobody yeah. knows that he's in charge yet. He's just biding his time. That's why he doesn't want to help anyone. <laughs> Do you know, I've heard a lot of people describe it when they heard him talk that everyone thought he was saying, went to like all well, the bleeps and bloops. The first things they hear was a WTF. <laughs> I was like, huh. really? I didn't get that. But then when I heard it again, I was like, okay, that's definitely not what he's saying, but you can kind of hear where people might have misheard that and thought that. But it's funny how they're describing him with like, how he complains about everything. Like maybe if he was translated, that would be something that he was saying. Cause he just didn't like, didn't agree with what Hera was saying as he stormed out of the door after she told him, uh, she, or she told him to like, to get out of there and tell Kanan something. Yeah. I didn't notice that at all, but um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, interesting to see how stuff plays out with him though. And being all grumpy. I mean, they talk more about him being sort of grumpy and wanting to do stuff on his own time and whenever he gets around to it and not liking to take orders. So, Yeah, and she even made the comment, like, the last line of the clip was like, like, what'd you say? Or, like, I heard that, something like that. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. He, he kind of rolls door. out the door beeping and she turns on and is like, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so even the small stuff is we got a chopper, he looks like he's going to be a, a funny character <laughs> to follow around as the series goes on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now we just need preview clips showing more of the other characters in action. Yeah, that's all I said. I want to see that full-length trailer. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, they talked a lot about the animated style. Um, they talked a lot about the character of Hera since Vanessa Marshall was the only uh, voice actor there for the panel. But And they showed a lot of concept art for the series in general, but a lot of it focused on Hera's character design. And they showed, like, a lot of different early designs and variations of the character and that sort of thing. Um, and then also, you know, Vanessa Marshall was talking about just playing the character and how unbelievably excited she is to be playing it. And Dave Filoni was talking about how it's kind of a new experience from Clone Wars where like with Clone Wars, it was the first time they had done a Star Wars animated series, but now working with these people on Rebels, like Vanessa Marshall just wants to talk his ear off about Clone Wars all the time because she likes it so much. And he's like, you know, I've never really had that happen before. 
Um, but again, it's just really cool to know that the people involved in this, both, you know, making it behind the scenes with the animation and stuff, but also just the voice actors that are coming in for the first time to play these parts are like really excited about it and just love Star Wars and have a passion for that project. Yeah, which is awesome to hear, like you said. And another thing about Hera, too, that was mentioned at the panel, it sounded like they had a hard time figuring out exactly how they wanted her to be as far as species and age, because they mentioned that they went, like, several species they were considering to be Hera. They mentioned uh, Ithorians, Zabrax, and even uh, Togrudas. And then you see some of the concept art where she's uh, a little kid and she was blue-skinned. She kind of reminded me of a mission from the first uh, Knights of the Old Republic game. So that's like kind of the feel I was wondering if they were going for when they were designing her because that's kind of what she looked like in the literally concept design. But uh, they finally settled on a green tree leg. So, <laughs> but just interesting that they just couldn't, they didn't have it in mind right away. Just going through the different species to see what, what would be the right one. I believe they said it was uh, the designer, the designer Amy Beth Christensen, who like really got the final look of Hera right, and they was the one who really inspired, I guess, the final designs to do that. And she was the one who created those cool like imperial propaganda uh, posters and that, and those uh, special cards that were mailed out to several people. So oh, okay. overall, I mean, it's not really, you can't really complain too much that uh, I wish it was a Zabrak or I wish I was a Tugruta. I mean, Twi looks are cool. So <laughs> and yeah. she looks like a cool design. So I think all in all, they went with the right choice. Yeah. Well, you know, I think they were talking about that for some of the other characters as well. Um, and of course this is just information I was gathering from, you know, reading different tweets and stuff. But when you mentioned a Thorian, I'm pretty sure they had considered that one for Zeb. Um, and maybe, I think they might've mentioned some other big species too, or maybe they were thinking of Zabrak for Zeb or something. I can't remember, but, um, yeah, of course, obviously there's, you know, tons of different alien races in Star Wars to, to draw from and potentially make new characters out of. So, um, but, you know, I think it's cool that with Zeb, they went with a, a totally original, yeah. um, you know, a new alien species that we haven't really seen before outside of, obviously, the <laughs> Ralph McQuarrie concept art for Chewbacca. But, um, you know, obviously, Zeb looks different enough that you don't think, oh, it's just a weird looking Wookiee. Um, he's, you know, something totally new. But um, so I'm kind of glad they went with that aside, you know, other than Ethorian or whatever kind of race they could have made him. But, uh, yeah, and then, of course, we've got... Hera as a Twi'lek and everybody else on the team being human except for Chopper. But, um, you know, of course, it being Star Wars, I'm sure we'll see plenty of new planets and different alien species and stuff. So um, it was, you know, cool to see kind of some of the design process that went into that and just some of, like you said, the way different um, variations of, like, character designs and stuff that they did. Um, especially, like, I mean, like you said, there were some... Uh, images of Hera that looked, you know, way younger, or they had some where she was like really round and chubby looking, and some where she looked kind of tiny. And I'm thinking, like, well, were they planning to do, or were they originally thinking about making her younger, or was this just sort of like maybe one of the different art styles that they were thinking about? Maybe it was going to look even more sort of bright and flashy and cartoony, and all the characters were going to kind of look like these little, I don't know, young mini people or something but uh I, I think all the designs that they finally settled on ended up looking really good yeah so far no complaints for me as far as the designs and look of the characters though but uh, another thing that caught my interest from the panel was the comment that was made as far as uh coruscant and it was revealed that at least for the time being we're not going to be seeing coruscant 
in Rebels anytime soon. They'll probably mention it, and you'll hear about it throughout the series, but uh, we won't be seeing it, at least for the first season. I mean, anything can change as the series goes on. But I thought that was kind of interesting, because I always thought, oh, maybe we'll see the Inquisitor on Coruscant. And, of course, we're all assuming eventually maybe we'll see Palpatine or Vader, and you would think it would be on Coruscant. So that kind of, I want to say, took me by surprise, but I always expected to see it, so... But at the same time, I know they've been saying is the series is going to focus on Lothal and maybe some planets that are close to there. So in a way, I guess you could say I was surprised. I don't know. I was kind of 50-50 on it. I just, it, I just found it interesting, I guess, where they actually said, no, you probably won't going to be seeing Coruscant anytime soon. I don't know if that caught you by surprise or if you found it interesting or not. But to me, that was something that stuck out as far as new information about the series that was set at the panel. Well, you know, I guess it didn't really take me by surprise. I hadn't really thought about it all that much, honestly, for the same reason. I, I think the, the reason I hadn't thought about it much is the one of the reasons they gave for why we're not going to be seeing it much in the series, which is that you never see Coruscant in the original trilogy, yeah. um, except for like the final scene in the special edition of Return of the Jedi, where you see everybody celebrating after the Death Star has been destroyed. But um, yeah, I guess I wasn't really expecting to see it because... Um, yeah, it's never there in the original trilogy. So, um, and these characters, you know, off on their homeworld on the outer rim, you know, just trying to get this fledgling rebellion going against the empire. So yeah, they're not going to suddenly go straight for the Imperial homeworld. Um, but I guess as far as Darth Vader and the emperor, I'm still expecting to see them at some point, And I hadn't even really associated Coruscant with that. Um, Because I guess when you say Emperor Palpatine, the first thing that pops to mind for me is him sitting in his chair, like on his observation room on the Death Star. Mm -hmm. And Darth Vader, we've, of course, seen in Star Destroyers and different Imperial bases and whatnot. So um, I don't necessarily tie those two characters directly down to Coruscant, although I suppose it did sort of make me realize, okay, well, if we do see the Emperor, it's going to be probably a really rare appearance. You know, we might see him the first time we see Coruscant if we do at some point in the series or maybe we'll see Darth Vader talking to a hologram of Palpatine like we do in The Empire Strikes Back or you know maybe he'll be on a Star Destroyer or even a prototype Death Star maybe Hmm. Um, you know that would be cool to see at some point but yeah I I wouldn't expect to see Palpatine very often anyways um, just because especially in the original trilogy he's one of those characters who's kind of you know, in the shadows, in the background, and we don't really see him a lot until the conclusion of the story. But I would expect to see, you know, still see Darth Vader at some point. Um, and like I said, it could be anywhere else in the galaxy. It doesn't have to be Coruscant. And they did say at this panel, like, even though you might not see Coruscant, you will see some other cool Imperial locations on some other planets. Yeah, see, I kind of more associate with the thing of not seeing Coruscant if we're going to tie it into a character that we might not see for a while, I would tie that more in with Palpatine because at this time period, it's what 15 years now that um, the empire has been around and established. So I don't think Palpatine is going to be making uh, too many trips off of Coruscant. I figured he's going to kind of be staying there most of the time. And he only has to go travel. If it's like a really, really big emergency kind of like make overseeing the second death star to make sure that goes on schedule. So when I heard that Coruscant, won't be seen that kind of made me think more towards Palpatine maybe we won't be seen but then you brought up the good points where we could still if he is going to be in it where he could be seen in a hologram talking to Vader and you know Vader is going to be traveling the galaxy still on his Star Destroyer so 
I didn't really associate that news as far as saying, oh, we're probably not going to see Vader then. But maybe more towards Palpatine. But like you said, who knows? Maybe it'll be through hologram or something. But if they are going to be, and it's going to be probably, at least I'm guessing, late, real late in the season, maybe season finale at all, or even at all if they're planning it for this season. So who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But well, this we have a definite answer <laughs> for something, knowing that we're not going to see Coruscant. Yeah, although I kind of hope we don't have to wait the whole season to see Darth Vader, but we might. I kind of think they are. They're going to play that to like the big season finale. I just have a feeling that's what they're going to do. Because, I mean, what bigger character are you going to have to end the season in a big way than Darth Vader? Yeah, that's possible. But at the same time, I think they'll at least kind of tease it before then. You know, maybe we'll see the Inquisitor talking to someone and we can't really see who it is because he's hidden in the shadows or something. But then you just hear the breathing. True, yeah. Or something like that. See, I think, I mean, Vader is going to sort of be that overlord figure to the Inquisitor like the Inquisitor was to Vader. So I could see them saving it for the series or for the season finale if the characters are actually going to like cross paths with Vader in person. But I could see earlier in the series, maybe, um, you know, after a few episodes of the Rebels like invading the Inquisitor, maybe you see him talking to a hologram of Vader where Vader's saying, you know, get this done and destroy these guys or I'm going to come after him myself or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, or what would be cool is if uh, we see the these characters defeat the Inquisitor one too many times and then Vader ends up taking out the Inquisitor and just being so fed up with them and then he goes to finish the job or something. Yeah, well, that wouldn't surprise me because we know he has a tendency to choke out people who yeah. don't get stuff done. But then we have to see him succeed, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I know you said this a lot. Like, the whole point of the Inquisitor is so these characters can defeat him and win the battle. So it's not making Vader look, look any less, like, uh, competent and not being the Sith Lord that he's meant to be. Because he could be able to take on these group of kids, pretty much. And so if he's going to come down and clean up the mess of the Inquisitor and make sure something gets done, I want to see him succeed, because that's the whole point of, like you said, having the Inquisitor there. But then when you get to Vader, it's a whole other level. So you don't want to see him be like taken down a peg, I guess you would sort of say, by being defeated by this group of rebels. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, some other cool stuff from the panel. Like I said, aside from just the Hera stuff, um, they had a bunch of other concept art with, uh, I mean, showing everything from vistas of different planets to uh speeder bikes and something that, that looks image. like a yeah the speeder bike one is pretty cool and they've got one that looks like the moss Eisley cantina or some sort of similar yeah. bar cantina type place and we've got um you know a star destroyer we've got an image of the ghost getting chased by some tie fighters although interestingly enough there is one image of uh looks like it's probably either Ezra or Kanan on a planet that kind of looks like Coruscant, but I guess it's not, but it is, you know, it looks like he's looking over some big city or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just some, some great looking shots. Um, and then of course, also like you mentioned earlier with the music, they announced at this panel for the first time that Kevin Kiner, uh, who did the score for the Clone Wars is going to be returning to do the score for Rebels. Um, they played the opening theme for the show that he's composed. They played that there uh, for the audience at the panel. And then they posted a video on, uh, or I guess StarWars.com posted this on their YouTube page, along with that new clip. They also posted um, another one of these, like, three-minute videos doing a, like, behind-the-scenes interview kind of thing um, that they've done before with, like, Dave Filoni and Greg Wiseman and Simon Kinberg. Now they've got one with Kevin Kiner talking about the music and sort of, um, 
following in John Williams' footsteps, doing Star Wars music and sort of adding his own personal touch to it. And then at the end, he plays, um, I guess, this piece of music that is sort of the main Rebels theme. And um, But I, it, it's a little bit easier, or a little bit easier to hear because it's a little bit better quality in that video than it is um, in, like, sound clips you can find from people who recorded it at the WonderCon panel. Yeah, I mentioned to you this earlier, I just love how Lucasfilm, for the most part, does a great job of putting these videos up pretty much right after the panel's over that they show there. I know a lot of times when you're at these conventions and someone like other movie studios shows clips or a new trailer for the movie, you kind of have to wait a few days or even a few months, actually, for the clips they show there to make it online. But when the stuff you get excited about for Star Wars, it's usually up on StarWars.com or on the Star Wars YouTube page right away. So I love that. I was kind of hoping for that once I heard they played the main theme for Rebels, and I'm seeing all of these Twitter reactions saying, oh, it sounds really cool. It sounds awesome. The nice blend of John Williams is in there. So I'm like, oh, man, I want to hear it. And then, boom, there it is on StarWars.com. So that was cool. But as far as the main theme goes, I'm really happy with it. I thought it was it's really great, actually. I mean, Kevin kind of was describing it as blending in the familiar and classic stuff we know from John Williams. And that's something actually as the series as a whole is doing that I'm happy about. That's something I know some Clone Wars fans and I'll probably include myself in that where if we had a complaint about uh, Clone Wars and the music with it was that we didn't hear enough of the John Williams themes as much as we'd like to. And that was a decision made pretty much by George Lucas where he wanted it to, Kevin Conner to create his own theme for the series. Well, I can definitely get that. There was still a part of me that wished uh, it just felt something was missing sometimes because when you would see some trailers for like upcoming seasons that would have the real music from the films, it just added a, something else to those clips because it just made it feel more like Star Wars and that you're watching Star Wars when you heard the classic John Williams theme. But for Rebels, they said they are going to embrace John Williams' classic score, especially for A New Hope, and you definitely hear it in that Rebels theme. And I like it because the main new, I guess, uh, uh, melody for it was that it sounds like the Rebels theme when they're approaching the second Death Star in Return of the Jedi, where they're all giving their call signs to report in. And it also feels like, it reminds me of a, like a, something you would hear for a pirate theme or something when you're <laughs> like on a pirate ship, it has that feel to it too. So, But then as the theme keeps going along, you hear the classic Force theme come in and it just sounds great. It just blends in perfectly. So even Kevin Kiner in that video is excited about it, being able to use the John Williams thing. He describes it as like a new generation of Star Wars music that's going to blend the old and the new. And if this song is one, this one song is an indication of what we can expect for the music of Rebels, I'm real excited for it. I thought it turned out great. Yeah, and I'm 100% with you on that one. I mean, I think the music sounded great. And when I was sitting here on, what was it, Saturday when they had that panel and I was reading all these live tweets coming through and um, the first one that I saw pop up that said, um, you know, that, uh, they had specifically not used a lot of John Williams music in Clone Wars because George Lucas requested it and that they're going to be using a lot more of the music from the original trilogy in Star Wars Rebels. I think I just sat there at my desk and started clapping because <laughs> I was like, that's going to sound really good. And you know what? I didn't necessarily have a problem with it so much that they didn't use it a lot in Clone Wars because I think it made it a lot more potent when they did use it. Um, especially, I mean, I remember the first time that I watched the episode Brain Invaders when Anakin is like interrogating Poggle the Lesser because he needs to get answers about how to save Ahsoka from these Geonosian brain worms and she's, you know, trapped on her own out in space and he is like, 
yelling at Poggle and demanding answers, and then he starts for- force choking him. And it's the first time in that series that we ever heard the, you know, just like a hint of the Imperial March. Yeah. And I think it worked really well for just sort of those those subtle character moments because they didn't really use it a lot for like the action scenes and that sort of thing. And that seems like what they're doing with Rebels is using a lot more of um, just sort of the action cues that you hear like when the Rebels are going into a space battle or something like that, um, using a lot more of that type of music. But I think in Clone Wars it worked well when like just every once in a while Anakin would do something sort of leaning towards the dark side and you hear a little bit of the Imperial March or... Um, you know, somebody would, uh, or like we'd see Yoda on Dagobah in the bonus episodes and you hear the Yoda's theme playing or, um, you hear like the force theme at certain moments or something like that. I liked that it was kind of just sprinkled in there. Um, and I guess I wouldn't have complained if they had more John Williams music, but it wasn't really a huge complaint of mine that they didn't use it a lot. But I think with Rebels being sort of more light and fun and fast paced and set in the original trilogy where you've got, you know, stormtroopers and TIE fighters and all that kind of stuff, I think that using uh, more music from the original trilogy is going to fit that you know, the themes and the the time period and all that kind of stuff, I think it's going to fit a lot better. Yeah, I would agree. But at the same time, yeah, I, <laughs> there's, uh, ever since the Clone Wars began, I always felt that way. But you made some good points as far as how when it was used, yeah, it did have a greater effect when you did hear it. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more of it on Rebels. And also curious to see the, the new character themes that Kevin Kiner is going to come up with for the new characters because the new theme he had for... Uh, the main Rebels theme of the new melody that he came up with mixed in with the classic Star Wars stuff sounded good. So I'm anxious to hear the other new themes he's going to create for the different characters for the crew of the Ghost. So I'm anxious to hear what he's going to come up with. This, uh, that one clip made me excited for the whole music for the series now. So I can't wait. Yeah, and you know, I, I think from at least from these early indications, it seems like his new stuff that he's, that he's coming up with is going to really fit well into... Um, the existing John Williams stuff. Cause I read an interview that he did and I forget which website this was on. I should try to go find it. Cause I don't think we posted it or tweeted it or anything, but um, it was, you know, an interview that somebody posted with him like right after this panel and talking about doing the music of, of rebels and stuff. And he was talking about how, um, you know, he's always trying to like go back to, to John Williams stuff and take little cues or little, um, you know, techniques or stuff that he does and incorporate it into his own music. And then he said there was this one piece of music that he was playing and he could have sworn that it was, you know, John Williams music from one of the Star Wars movies and he just couldn't remember what piece it was. And so he went and asked somebody and they were like, that's your music that you came up with for Ezra. And it was like, you know, it, it fits so well into Star Wars <laughs> that he even fooled himself into thinking it was wow. John Williams. So, um so yeah, now because of that, I'm like, oh, well now I want to hear Ezra's theme. Like I'm guessing maybe it's some variation of the force theme or maybe it just sounds really similar to something else that's in the Star Wars movies. But, and it's good to know that it's going to be just a blend of those two kind of things where it's, you know, new music that sounds like Star Wars music and then also some uh, classic Star Wars music in there as well. I also like the comment he said, I think it was during the panel where how he said the force theme was probably... The most, or his definitely his favorite piece of music that John Williams has ever written for Star Wars, and I 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. There's tons of great themes in Star Wars, but for me, and I'm sure a lot of fans, and I know you agree too, that nothing beats the Force theme. It's just so great. Yeah, in fact, um, for some of you out there who've 
listened to uh, some other Star Wars podcasts by some friends of ours. Um, I was a guest on the Wampus Lair podcast with Carl and Jason back. I think this was like a couple of years ago now, but they did an episode where we did like our top, maybe top seven, um, like Star Wars themes or soundtracks or whatever. And uh, I think my top two, I think my number one was the, like the victory celebration on Yavin at the end of A New Hope. Um, and then my number two was like that variation of the force theme that plays at the end of Return of the Jedi as Luke is like burning Vader on the funeral pyre. Um, but I think those are both like versions of the force theme. I just think the, the first one is like a much more sort of ceremonial, you know, trumpety, triumphant kind of version of it. But um yeah, it's yeah so good. obviously, it on both levels. <laughs> yeah, so great. Yeah, and you, yeah, you can do a lot of stuff with it. But yeah, I think it's a great piece and probably my favorite, um, just sort of basic theme, I guess, if you want to call it. Because, like you said, it gets reworked in a lot of different ways. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I'm excited for too. When they're adding, when, when they're going to be using a lot of the music from the original movies, it's not just like they're going to pop their Star Wars soundtrack CDs in and copy tracks off of that. Like <laughs> Kevin Kiner is going to be, you know, reworking it and working it into his own stuff, and he might put a different spin on it. I mean, even when you listen to the Rebels theme and you hear the Force theme come in, it's not it's a different version of the force theme than what we've ever heard before. So that's one thing I'm really excited about is just hearing these, these uh, existing sort of classic pieces of star Wars music, but just sort of reworked in different ways to fit different scenes or different planets or different parts of these new stories. So that's going to be really fun to hear. Yeah. And just talking about the music, not to go too far off topic here, but I wanted to ask you, I don't think I've asked you this before. Do you have a favorite soundtrack out of all six movies that you just always go to as your favorite one to listen to? Oh, not really. Um, it's hard. I know. <laughs> well, I, I don't have one off the top of my head. I'll say that I don't have a go-to one, but if I were to pick one, Oh man, I guess I would probably have to go with, I would definitely say it's one of the original trilogy ones. It's probably either five or six, um, just because the soundtracks, at least the soundtracks that I have, like for episodes one, two, and three, they're a lot shorter. Um, like those soundtracks are probably about an hour long and don't have all the music from the entire movie in there. Whereas my original trilogy soundtracks are like the two disc ones that, um, pretty much go all the way through the movie. Like I can listen to those yeah. soundtracks and visualize what's going on in the movie in my head as I'm listening to it. Whereas also with the prequel soundtrack, sometimes they'll kind of cut and paste stuff. Like you listen to one track mm -hmm. that I, I, cause when I listen to them, I try to sort the tracks in order. Like if they're not already in order on the CD, I try to sort them by order of like chronological order when they happened in the movie. Yeah. But you'll be listening to one track, like for Revenge of the Sith, for example, you might be listening to like the third track on the CD and it might have, you know, music, it might start with a piece of music that happens earlier in the movie and then transition in the same track, it might transition into um, music from a different scene that happens later in the movie. So um, it's not exactly all laid out like I would like to. And I like I wish they'd come out with a special edition of those soundtracks that's just like two hours of the entire movie music. But yeah, I guess I would say either five or six is my favorite one to listen to. They only did that for the Phantom Menace where they released like the two disc uh, set that was pretty much the order of how the movie plays out, which is great. Like kind of disappointed they didn't do that for episode two and three. No, but, okay, I don't have that one. 
yeah, it's definitely worth it if you want to get all the music from Phantom Menace. I know the official soundtrack doesn't have the the song that plays when Qui-Gon is fighting Darth Maul in the desert at all. So I was like, how come that's not on the soundtrack, but it's on the Ultimate Edition one, so <laughs> it's worth it for me just for that. Oh, yeah. It's like now that you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I have heard that one on there. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to pick one, I'd probably just have to go with The New Hope because pretty much all the classics came from there, and it's one of the best soundtracks of all time for a movie, and it's just so new and iconic where sure there's some maybe some songs in the later movies that may be better than some tracks on there but that's where it all started and just the sound quality of it it's maybe not as sound as like well produced and later on as uh, other movies have but there is something about the sound of it that i just enjoy so much it just feels classic so if i had to, if someone had a gun to my head to pick a favorite star wars soundtrack i'd probably have to go a new hope but episode three is kind of up there for me too i think that was a really good piece of music that john williams did for that movie yeah that's a good one too but okay, enough of being off topic. <laughs> Go back to the Rebels panel. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I think we've pretty much covered just about all the the main big points from that, unless you had anything else you wanted to talk about. No, I think, yeah, we did cover it. I think, <laughs> I just thought it was funny how it ended was they actually brought a group of cosplayers up there who are already dressed up as the like, different members of the ghosts. He had like someone dressed as Hera, Ezra, I think Sabine. <laughs> kind of caught Dave Filoni off guard. He's all like, uh, he are, already you guys have costumes well i hope you enjoy the show then <laughs> kind of be surprised like they haven't seen one episode yet and they're already creating costumes yeah i think it was a, a family and i think the mom and dad were just as uh kanan and sabine and their two kids were hera and uh ezra and then i think the the girl who was dressed up as hera had like some sort of maybe a teddy bear or a stuffed animal or something that she had dressed up as chopper okay <laughs> so yeah it was pretty cool to see that of course, yeah. I'm already wishing I could do a Zeb costume, and I'm just thinking how hard that's going to be because oh, you know man. any any alien with like a, a non-human shaped face is really tough to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't see where. I mean, I have no no idea of cosplaying and all that stuff, but Zeb does definitely seem like it would be a tough one to pull off <laughs> to make it look good too. Yeah, you just don't want to make a cheap one and have it not look good at all. Just look more pathetic than anything. If you're gonna go that far, you gotta make it look as good as it can be. Yeah, of course, maybe I could just like, I don't know, make a more human-looking version of it. I could just paint my face purple, put on some yellow contacts, <laughs> and get like pointy ears and a long goatee. And if all fails, just put on a stormtrooper helmet. It'll still look cool. <laughs> <laughs> Zeb in a stormtrooper helmet. Yeah. I don't think stormtrooper helmets would fit over his head. He likes beating up stormtroopers, so I'm sure he can easily get his hand on it. He helmet. does. Well, see, I would probably like use that as an accessory for the costume. Then I'd yeah. carry around a storm uh, a stormtrooper helmet. There you go. But then again, that's Ezra's thing too, so might be combining the two. Well, yeah, that's true. All I know is I'm like definitely not the right height to be Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like the tallest Ezra in the whole place. Even on your knees, you'd still be too tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. But, um, yeah, a couple other Rebels things that came out recently, um, just a little rundown real quick because it's nothing real big or anything, but uh, Disney is apparently having a some sort of Rebels sneak peek event on uh, May the 4th, um, and this is part of, like, a ABC TV event that's going on all that weekend. It's uh, May 4th through the 7th, um, and, oh, it's for the premiere of their movie Million Dollar Arm, 
Um, and there's something else going on with like a Jimmy Kimmel live show and all this kind of stuff. But it, so it's like this big ABC TV event. But for part of it, um, they're having a Rebels preview event on uh, May the 4th. I don't know if that's like open to the public, if it's some kind of private thing and we're just going to hear about stuff that happens there or if, you know, hopefully they'll, I mean, if they show like a, a preview clip or a trailer or something there, then like you're saying, hopefully it'll uh, be not too long before it shows up on starwars.com and we can all check it out. But um, if there's anything noteworthy to be seen or heard from there and we find out about it, we'll uh, let you guys know for sure. Um, and then also they recently announced that there are like five new, um, rebels books coming out for you know they're aimed at kids like for young readers and stuff but i guess probably the most interesting thing about this that a lot of people have been posting about is uh they released the cover artwork for all five of these books and for one of them um it's called ezra's gamble and in, on the cover of the book it's got ezra and bosk um now of course that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to see bosk in rebels and just from looking at the cover art i mean I don't know about you, Tim, but I can't really tell any difference between this version of Bosk and the character model that they used for him in Clone Wars. So I don't know if... I mean, if they made a new character model for him for Rebels, it's really similar looking to the Clone Wars one. So they could have just used some existing Clone Wars art. And again, it could just be, um, you know, some adventure that they wrote for this book, but he might not make an appearance in the series necessarily. Yeah, I think you can tell a difference between the character models because there was no difference. <laughs> it was pretty much the copy and paste or cut and paste the boss model and put him on the cover for that book from Clone Wars. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, I, I just think, too, it's going to be one of those things where as cool it would be to see boss go up on the series, it's going to be just like a one-off story for that one book. But it could be cool where you could give us some more insight into Ezra's past as far as how we came in contact with boss and maybe it'll play out somehow in future episodes. We don't know, but it's definitely one that caught my interest where maybe, well, even though it's for like young readers, it's something I might want to check out just to see how uh, his and boss uh, paths cross and if they're going to be enemies or if they're actually going to be helping each other in some type of way. Cause we know Ezra's kind of a street kid. So he could come across bosses in some way for him to help him get out of some jam. So who knows? I definitely might want to check it out though, just to see what that story ends up being. Yeah, possibly. I mean, th these are the kind of books that's like, if I want to know the story summary, I'll go look it up online. But um, then again, if Bosk does show up in the show, that, I mean, the probably the most exciting thing about that for me would be like, okay, there's Bosk, where's Boba Fett? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point too. Like I said, maybe they're saving Boba Fett to show up later on in the series and maybe he can uh, harken back to like something that happened in that book, even though we won't see an episode on it, maybe they can mention Bosk or something like that, where Ezra would say, oh yeah, I've heard of you, Boss mentioned you or something like that. So that's what I'm curious about. Maybe it'll play out or we'll see the some like outcome of that story play out in future episodes of Rebels. You just never know. Yeah, possibly. But then again, I mean, at least as far as I know, whenever they do these sort of young reader books for, you know, Clone Wars or anything like that, I mean, I'm pretty sure they've done Clone Wars books like this, and to my knowledge, I don't think any of them ever really had a big tie-in with the show. Um, yeah. Then again, I never read any of them, but there there was nothing where something happened in Clone Wars, and I was like, wait, who's that guy? And then go look it up online and find out that they were introduced in a kid's book. So um, I, I don't think they're going to do too many direct tie-ins like that, because you don't want to alienate your audience, who you know, most of them probably won't be reading that, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. It should be interesting, though. 
Especially if, like we said, Bosk ends up being in the show and it leads to a Boba Fett appearance on the show. Yeah, but at the same time, I think we're <laughs> looking way too much into it. As cool as it may sound, I'm tie it to future episodes. It's probably just going to be a one-off story, one and done, and that's it. Yeah, well, we can speculate all we want. Yeah. <laughs> no one could stop us there. Besides, we have to talk about happy stuff and, you know, fun stuff. Because the the next piece of news that we've got to cover is really depressing. Yeah, um, there we go. <laughs> well, it's, it's sort of... I mean, it's cool and depressing because it's one of those things that, like, gets your hopes up and then crushes them all at the same time. Um, This came out around the time we put our last episode out. I guess uh, this article that I'm looking at from Game Informer is April 9th. But um, suddenly it was all over the Internet that there was this really cool Darth Maul game uh, back in 2011. And it had been canceled and we, I mean, didn't even know about it at the time and didn't even know it was in development or anything. But... Um, suddenly there's this article about it detailing like the development process and all that kind of stuff and, uh, like screenshots and concept art. And then there was a video, I guess this whole thing started where like some guy who was a developer who worked on the game had, uh, you know, footage from this game on his demo reel and somebody kind of came across it and was like, Whoa, what the heck is this? Like, you know, we didn't even know this game was, you know, happening or had been in the works or anything like that. But I mean, from the reports and the stuff I've read about it, apparently it was supposed to be sort of styled after the Batman Arkham games as far as the combat and that kind of stuff goes. And uh, it also, I'm not entirely sure, but it sounds like it might have been um, some sort of tie-in with Darth Maul's appearance on the Clone Wars. Um, obviously, in the you can go and watch the, the gameplay footage, and he's fighting a bunch of Mandalorians who look just like the Death Watch from Clone Wars. And I think it looks like several of them and not just one of them have like that black lightsaber that pre Vizsla has, um, which kind of maybe would have put me off a little bit. I'd be like, Hey, that's like a really cool weapon that Vizsla has got. I don't want like every death watch grunt running around to have this thing, but I guess, you know, it was something they just did to try to make the, the enemies more challenging in the game. But, um, I mean, overall this looks like it would have been a really cool game, but at the same time, I mean, I do kind of have to wonder like, when this got canceled, you know, we've heard a lot about the sort of trouble that was going on behind the scenes at LucasArts. And, um, I'm like, if this had come out, would it have been any good? Did it get canceled because it wasn't going to be good or, you know, who knows, but just from watching that preview footage, I'm like, man, that looks really cool. And on the one hand, I'm glad that I got to see it. But on the other hand, it's like, I could have gone the rest of my life and never known about this because it got canceled three years ago anyways. And you didn't need to depress me with this. I know, just adding to the list of disappointing Star Wars video game <laughs> stuff that's happened over the last year or so. We're with thirteen, thirteen, and now this. But yeah, it looked really cool. And I just loved how it was planned to tie in with uh, Clone Wars episodes with Darth Maul and the Death Watch. Cause yeah, like I said, seeing that video of him fighting the Death Watch was really cool. I mean, how cool would it have been to watch those episodes and then how seeing how awesome they were? Oh, I want to play it. Okay, I'll pop the game in and play more of it. So that was cool. But then also the fact, too, that uh, apparently Lucas wanted to tie in some of the characters from uh, the Legacy comics where he wanted to have Darth Talon and Darth Krayt in there. So I wonder how that was all going to work. <laughs> but uh, we'll never know now. But yeah. yeah, it did look really cool. And those concept arts, 
there were some really cool designs in there. There was even one uh, Mandalorian character. There was she had no name, but I'm wondering later on if it would have been Bo-Katan because she kind of had that look to it, to her where she was uh, a, a female Mandalorian Death Watch character, and it said that uh, they don't know like how much FaceTime she would have had in the actual game, but I bet once. So they started talking more with Dave Filoni and the story for the upcoming episodes. They probably just would have made a Boca Ten. It would have been cool to see her in a video game. But yeah, yeah, George only... Lucas might have told them to make her Boca Ten, but at least from this concept art, it doesn't really look like her. Yeah, there's some weird characters in there too. Like there were some other Sith lords in there that I'd never heard before. One of them was like a droid, kind of like a General Grievous with four arms. It looks kind of mm-hmm. weird. That was the only thing that kind of made me question, like, how far were they going to go with, like, bringing these different Sith characters? Because even in the Clone Wars, we were talking about how there's a lot of Sith characters running around in the galaxy right at this time. So they're going to add more to it. But, of course, we don't know how the story would have played out, how it would have been resolved. So, um, But one thing that kind of, I guess, eases my disappointment a bit was the developer who made this game, um, Redfly, I believe is the studio's name, the next game they actually did was uh, last summer they came out with a Ninja Turtles game for like Xbox Live Arcade and the PlayStation uh, Network. And that was kind of the same mode where they wanted to model it after the Batman Arkham games. And it didn't quite hit the mark. I mean, I was really looking forward to playing that game, being a Ninja Turtles fan. And it really didn't live up to my expectations. The controls really weren't that ex- responsive to the moves you were doing. And you could tell they really wanted to be like the Batman Arkham games, and but it just really didn't reach that level. It just needed some more polish and more time to make the controls more tight and all that. So when I found out that was the company that was doing the Darth Maul game, it just made me wonder, okay, how good would it actually would have been? Would they have gotten enough time to polish it out and make it as good as it can be with tight controls? So I don't know. So that was kind of the thing. It was like, okay, maybe... Could have been cool to look at in a cool story, but I just wondered how good it would have actually been just basing it off the studio's Ninja Turtles game. So I don't know. We'll never know. But if I had to choose, I think I definitely would have wanted to play it regardless how <laughs> maybe unresponsive the controls would have been because I'm sure the story would have been cool and I'm sure they would have got Sam Whitworth to do the voice of Maul and hearing him do more Maul is always a good thing. So yeah, it's still a disappointment knowing that we're not going to be able to play this game. Yeah, that is one thing I heard. I haven't played that Ninja Turtles game, but I saw a lot of comments on articles online and stuff where people were saying, you know, or like a lot of people were disappointed and like, oh man, we're never going to get to play this. And some people were like, oh, you suck Disney. And I was quick to correct those people and be like, guys, this was way before Disney took over. (laughs) But then there were a few people who were like, guys, this is a good thing. Trust me. I played their Ninja Turtles game. It sucked. (laughs) You would not have wanted these guys making a Star Wars game. So I'm like, eh. Okay, maybe I'll take your word for it, but it still looked really cool from that brief video. And I mean, like you said, I would have at least liked to give it a shot and then judge for myself afterwards. Yeah, because the Ninja Turtles game wasn't broken at all. It, just, it needed more polish. That's all there pretty much was to it. So you can still play it and get some enjoyment out of it. So if it was like that for the Darth Maul game to get another cool Star Wars story, I would have happily played through a game that maybe wasn't the best, but definitely playable at least, where it wouldn't make you frustrated. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, obviously with this and 1313 and all the other canceled games that were, you know, happening at Lucasfilm over the, or at LucasArts over the years, it's like, I'm ready to just put that all behind me and, and, uh, get on with some new stuff. I mean, we've got E3 coming up in less than two months, so really hoping for, uh, 
you know, like we've been talking about this before, some Battlefront stuff, some announcements of maybe one or two new Star Wars games. I mean, there's been a lot of talk lately about uh, this new game that Visceral's working on, and they're hiring some people from other game companies to come work on it. So uh, hopefully we get some new stuff to sort of plug all these holes lately. But, uh, you know, looking forward to that. I think uh, June 9th is when EA is having their big uh, press conference. It's like the day before the main E3 show starts. So that'll be the one to watch if you're looking for, uh, you know, any new Star Wars game trailers or announcements or anything like that. And I will definitely be keeping an eye on that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Same here. <laughs> I mean, that's hopefully going to be something that eases the pain of all of these canceled games that we've got in the past year. And the game to do that would be a brand new Battlefront trailer. <laughs> oh, <that>? yes. <laughs> and yeah. if Darth Maul will be in it, maybe. Like Battlefront 2 had those uh, unlockable characters you could play as. Oh, yeah, I hope so. I think, you know what, that's one thing I was disappointed about with sort of the Clone Wars in general. Um, and, you know, obviously this isn't a complaint about the show or anything, but just I, I feel like they missed their opportunity to make some really cool Clone Wars games yeah, sure during did. that time period. I mean, they, they made like two games based off the TV series that didn't do all that well. I mean, they had the Wii lightsaber fighting game and then they had that Clone Wars Republic Heroes game, which I kind of enjoyed. I know a lot of people really hated it and just said like the controls were bad and it was glitchy and stuff. And I mean, for me, it was just sort of a, a fun romp through a Clone Wars story that I beat in like six hours and haven't picked it up again since then. Yeah. But um, same year. I remember I tried playing that with my brother in the co-op. He's like, you could play it by yourself. I'm done with this game. <laughs> I go, fine. I'll do it my own. And I got all 1000 achievements on it. <laughs> wow. See, I did not do that. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think the really the only two good uh, Clone Wars games that they came out with during that time, of course, they had Lego Star Wars 3, which was based off of Clone Wars, which I liked that one, but I wish they had made another one with, like, more of the stories in it because it was really um, just sort of based off of seasons 1 and 2 and only had, you know, didn't even have, like, all of the episodes in there. Um, and I'm like, man, I want to play through some Lego, you know, Battle of Umbara and all that kind of stuff now. But uh, And then they also had a, I think it was for Nintendo DS, they had this game called uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars Jedi Alliance. And I played that one and really enjoyed it. It was like, um, I don't even remember exactly how it went now, but they had, like, for, for a handheld game, it was pretty great because they had, like, full voice acting of these Clone Wars stories and stuff. And um, then sort of this interesting, like, lightsaber battle mechanic where you, like, sort of tap on different parts of the screen and your lightsaber, you'd be in like one-on-one -on -one combat with enemies using you know, lightsabers or a magna guard with an electro staff or something. And like your attacks would go exactly on them where you tapped with your, with your DS stylus. So that was pretty fun, but I'm like, I still would have liked to see, I mean, anything from a, a space battle game to some sort of action game involving the clones. I mean, there's just so many cool stories in the Clone Wars that they could have, spun off into cool video games and it was just like nope we're getting lego star wars and that's about it i know i was dying for another first person suitor clone wars game where the clones kind of in the vein of republic commando i mean star wars games usually get sequels but the one that didn't was what i was really hoping for was republic commando i love that game and like seeing arcs like you said on Barra that just screamed for a first person shooter game like that <laughs> so it's like uh, if only that would happen or at least like could Call of Duty ripoff and just like pretty much the same <laughs> game, but just put Clone Wars characters in there, just something that's first person shooter. Because I thought that would have been awesome to play as. And ever since Republic Commando, like always wanted another one to that game. 
Yeah, I think there actually is out there somewhere a, a mod for maybe Call of Duty 4 or something that somebody made um, where, you know, it's a complete Star Wars overhaul. But okay. I haven't actually played it, but I've heard it's pretty good. But yeah, I mean, obviously some actual real licensed Star Wars shooters would be pretty good too. Yeah, I said this before, two shooters and a fighting game. I'm surprised they never attempted another fighting game yet after the disaster that was the PlayStation 1 game, Master the Terakasi. <laughs> like, that's the only Star Wars fighting game there was. And I'd like them to try again, because I don't think they'll make anything that bad. <laughs> so just give it another crack at a Star Wars fighting game. There's tons of characters you can choose from now. So mm-hmm. I think it's about time. Yeah, I'd love to see that too. I've been wanting that ever since Soul Calibur 4 came out and they had... Yoda and Darth Vader and Starkiller as playable characters in that game. And, I mean, I know a lot of people enjoyed it, but a lot of people also complained about, like, oh, this is so unrealistic because you got Darth Vader with a lightsaber fighting some dude with a sword, and, you know, the sword should just, or the lightsaber should just cut right through the sword. Or the guy can take, you know, multiple hits to his body with the lightsaber where it should kill him in one hit. I'm like, why are you complaining about that when you're in a fighting game where you beat people up with swords anyways? Like, any one of those should kill somebody in one yeah. <laughs> It's a, you know, it's a game. Just suspend your disbelief for a moment and just, you know, try to do some cool combos and stuff like that. But just playing with those three characters in that game, I'm like, man, I wish they would just, like, keep these same combat mechanics and make, a like, an exact clone of this game but with just all Star Wars characters. Which I kind of tried to make myself because you can customize, you you can create your own custom characters in that game. And I made probably at least like 10 or 15 custom Star Wars characters in that game. But unfortunately, even though they had the Star Wars bonus characters in there, they didn't have lightsabers as options for, um, you know, giving as giving weapons to your uh, to your customized characters. Um, They didn't have like lightsabers or Darth Vader's fighting style or anything like that that you could um add to your customized characters. So I would make like, you know, Luke, Luke Skywalker or Anakin, or I even made, you know, Bastila and Darth Malak from Knights of the Old Republic and all this different stuff. But of course, all of them are wielding different swords and poles and giant broadswords and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, man, it would be really cool if I had some lightsabers in here. And I'm surprised they didn't make any DLC for that. Like even added more Star Wars characters. Because there were no characters that had a blue lightsaber, so that was disappointing. I was hoping for Obi-Wan eventually to be on there. But it's funny, when that game first came out, this is how much I wanted to play both of them. I actually got the PS3 and the Xbox 360 one. And then, like, a few months later, like, Darth Vader came out as DLC for the Xbox. And Yoda on the PS3. Like, I probably should have waited, but... Being a big Star Wars fan, I couldn't, so I'm okay with it still. <laughs> so I paid ten extra dollars for my Darth Vader. You paid sixty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I stand by my decision. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that would be fun to see. And who knows? Maybe under this new era of EA Star Wars games, maybe we'll get that eventually at some point. Yeah, I hope so. It's long overdue. Yeah, and of course, I know I've beat this point to death before, but I also really want a new pod racing game. Yes, just just give it all to us. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just why aren't you guys working on like eight new Star Wars games right now? <laughs> just keep them coming. Yeah, but uh, I mean, obviously, we'll just have to keep an eye out for that as we get closer into the summer. And we've got E3 and some other game conventions coming up. Um, but I guess we'll just wrap up here with a few uh, episode seven, you know, casting rumors and uh, some some minor tidbits here. But um, the first casting rumor that we've got, and I'm sure this is probably 
you know, with the original actors, it's like, this isn't the first time we've heard about this, but uh, the Hollywood Reporter recently put out an article, and this was, I think they put this out like the same day we released our last episode, so it's been a little while now, but they're saying that they've got sources confirming that Peter Mayhew is returning to play Chewbacca in Star Wars Episode Seven. Um, of course, not confirmed by Lucasfilm or by Disney yet, so, you know no uh no official confirmation yet take it with a grain of salt but they seem pretty confident that he'll be back um and then peter mayhew himself was sort of teasing it on his twitter page a couple days later he started saying something like okay i know a lot of you guys have been asking about this so i'm gonna go ahead and confirm dot 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 then he put out another tweet i would like to confirm and say finally dot 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 and then he's like oh wait my ipad's dying and he dragged this thing out for like five or ten tweets and it was going on for several minutes and i just happened to be watching live like i don't even use twitter all that much but i just happened to be sitting there reading through some tweets and then saw a new one from peter mayhew pop up and then i was like oh here comes another one and another one and i got all excited thinking oh man i'm gonna be here like watching it happen live as he announces that he's gonna play chewbacca and then the longer he dragged it out i was like you know what, I bet this is some kind of joke, or he's just, you know, pulling us along and having some fun with his fans, and then, yeah, at the end of it, he's like, I'm going to confirm that, yes, I'm appearing at this, I don't even remember what it was, but some convention that he's going to be at, um, I think maybe it was, it might have even been later this month, or it might be, like, early in May, but, uh, so, yeah, no official confirmation from him yet, either, on whether or not he's playing Chewbacca, despite some vicious teasing. I know I I didn't follow it live, but I saw those tweets later on. So all those man, it's like man, it's taking a while to get to the point. <laughs> and then when he finally saw the last tweet of the convention, like oh okay, uh, nice job, Peter Mayhew, playing a little joke on some of the fans. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's one of those stories where yeah, it's not confirmed yet, but you can definitely see that it's probably eventually going to happen. I mean, there was those reports saying he had to cancel some uh, other appearances at different conventions because of shooting. I mean, what else bill is he going to shoot <laughs> and cancel those stuff for if it's not for Star Wars? I mean, he just had those that massive uh, knee replacement surgery. So I think the new Star Wars movie could have been something that really made him want to have that surgery so he could do this. And, yeah, this, you're going to have Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher back, which is, of course, still not confirmed yet. But I think that's though Peter Mayhew in that same category. Was, there's a lot of evidence leading towards that, yeah, he's going to be in it. And we're just waiting for that official announcement we're still waiting for as we're recording this episode on April 22nd, which is the week I predicted we're going to get some casting announcements. So I have a few days left. So hopefully I could be right on one of my predictions at least. So I don't know. You're running out of time, Tim. I know. Only if it's one character, let it be the Peter Mayhew one. <laughs> I got something to cling on to. Well, so. they did already give us R2-D2 like months ago. That's true. But, but yeah, you know what? I, I've talked about before how this is a possibility. I'm just going to go ahead and make this my prediction since it's so late in April now. We're going to get a casting announcement on or around May 4th because um, you did point out that that's a Sunday and they don't usually put out you know big press announcements or anything like that on Sundays or even on weekends. So I'm guessing it'll either be on that Sunday, May the 4th, or it'll be the Friday before or the Monday after. Um, and if we don't get something by then then I don't know what to tell you or what's going on. We're just going to have to sit and wait and be like, come on, guys, any day now. Yeah. If we don't get it in May when they're shooting, I'm just going to be, okay, 
I'll just wait to find out when I see the movie in December right. 2015. <laughs> or when they put out the first poster for it and we're like yeah. reading the fine print at the bottom to see, okay, who are the actors that are in this thing? They won't even have it listed on there. It'll just be a, <laughs> an image that says episode <laughs> seven and directed by J.J. Abrams. That's it. And the poster is just the Millennium Falcon, so you can't even see any actors' faces on the yeah. poster. <laughs> uh, they're taking secret, uh, secret up to a whole other level. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, J.J. Abrams in his mystery box. <laughs> oh no Khan's not in the movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then we've got another casting rumor um, and this is this was actually also put up by the Hollywood Reporter and they're saying um, that this actress named Maisie Richardson Sellers who's I guess a, a unknown sort of up and coming British act- actress from Oxford in England um, that she's in consideration for a role or, you know, at the top of a list or in negotiations or whatever, you know, all this speculation talk that goes on. Um, But then, of course, there's this is sort of fueling the speculation that, oh, maybe they're going to have, you know, a black actress playing Obi-Wan's granddaughter or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know. Um, I know, Tim, you said you were getting kind of sick of those rumors and really hoping that they didn't go that route with Obi-Wan. But um, I don't know. I'm like, again, I've said this before, but it's like if that does end up being true, I'm just going to wait and see how it plays out in the movie itself. And hopefully they can you know, make us buy it and make it actually believable, although it might be kind of hard to swallow. But I'm like, enough with the speculation already. Just tell us who's in it. Yeah. Like when I first saw this casting rumor, I was like, OK, cool. A new actress who's. Looks to be pretty close to at least in consideration for the role. Then as I read it, it was like, oh, she's rumored to be for the part that might be in relation to Obi-Wan as the granddaughter. Like, uh, they had to put that in there. <laughs> like, this made me more disappointed, not with the casting rumor of the actors, but just that uh, there's that rumor still floating around about Obi-Wan's granddaughter. And they're like, I just wanted to go the way to go away because I really don't want to see that. <laughs> but then again, I'll be like you going with an open mind, see how the story plays out, if it is true. So, but still, I... The less I hear about that, the better for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I don't really have too strong of an opinion on it one way or the other. But at this point, I'm just ready to be done with all this speculation and rumor following and all that kind of stuff. I know. Same here. That's another big reason just to give us, hurry up and give us that casting announcement. <laughs> Yeah, well then, I mean, one rumor that did kind of get confirmed, I mean, there was a lot of talk going on about how they might be returning to Tatooine in Episode 7 and that they might be filming it in, uh, not in Tunisia where they originally filmed Tatooine, but I mean, we heard some different names thrown around like uh, Morocco and then the most late, most recent one was um, Abu Dhabi and then uh, just today... Um, some information came out from, uh, who is this, Alan Horn, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the you know, Disney chairman, Alan Horn, was uh, sort of giving some updates on Episode 7. He said that they have already done some second unit filming in Abu Dhabi. So, um, And we've actually seen a couple of leaked pictures, I guess you could say, um, from the set. Although it wasn't really like a set with actors out there and stuff. It was just some big production tents. And people were saying, like, oh, is this our first look at the Episode 7 production? And it's like, well, now that we know that they've been filming out there, then it probably was them, and it probably would be Tatooine, I would guess. Um, Because, you know, how many other remote desert locations are there in Star Wars? Well, a whole lot, because there's tons of planets. But, you know, you would think that they might just want to... And if they're going to go someplace that looks a lot like Tatooine, you might as well just make it Tatooine. 
Exactly, yeah. And the big speculation about that uh, image that's been floating around about the set was that big like object piece that <laughs> there was someone leaning against on. It looks like they were moving. And the object that everyone's saying what it could be, it looks like it could be the foot of an AT-AT. And when looking closely at it, it's like, yeah, I could definitely see that. But at the same time, it's like, why would there be an AT-AT foot on Tatooine? Because <laughs> the Empire didn't make their presence known there in during the original trilogy. So this makes you wonder, okay, was that it or not? But then I heard like speculation. Oh, it looks like it could be an escape pod similar to the one that R2 and 3PO got out of. But I don't think it really looks like that. If anything, it does look like the foot of an AT-AT, but it could be something totally different <laughs> that we don't know of. Or even if it is an AT-AT foot, maybe like you said, it's not Tatooine, but another planet where there was a big battle and they're like having like the different battle ruins laid out, buried in the ground in the desert sand or something like that. So who knows? But it was kind of, it was uh, wasn't confirmed at the time, still kind of neat seen our first like look at the i wouldn't even want to call it a set or behind the scene image but production i guess we should say on episode seven on location was still pretty neat to see Mm -hmm. and you know what for me i guess the first time i looked at that picture the first thing that came to mind for me is like those sort of disc shapes on the sides of the millennium falcon Um, okay so i thought maybe it was part of that or part of some other ship but of course yeah it could be a walker foot too um, but then, you know, that begs the question, like, if you got a picture of the foot, why didn't you get a picture of the whole thing? Although, like you said, it could be the wreckage of some battle and it's like just the foot, but, um, I don't know. You were talking about how there's never really been an Imperial presence on Tatooine. Well, maybe since the Death Star was destroyed and the Emperor was destroyed, maybe the Empire sort of got pushed out to the Outer Rim and now they're coming to conquer Tatooine for one reason or another. I don't know. Um, it would be kind of interesting to see... Um, you know, AT-ATs in the sand for a change instead of in the snow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's going to be the first thing I'm looking for when I see episode seven now. Where is that foot that we saw two years ago? <laughs> Where is it going to show up in the movie? Yeah, of course, you know, for all we know, this could be something that they brought out just to mislead us and get the whole internet up in a speculation storm. <laughs> Mission accomplished, <laughs> if that's the case. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Of course, we're not going to find out for a while until we see the movie unless somebody leaks out some more revealing photos but it sounds like they're kind of done with that part because in this stuff that uh, alan horn was talking about today um he said well he said some second unit filming has already been done in abu dhabi he didn't necessarily say they're done with it or whether they're still going to do any more but um i mean they could be done with their stuff out there Um, He also said that they still aren't quite ready to announce the cast yet, but there'll be an official announcement soon. Um, Like I said, I'm just going to go ahead and assume May 4th because that's a couple weeks from now. I know there's also there's something going on at Disney World in a couple of days where people are expecting like um, that. Maybe there's going to be some sort of Disney executive meeting and George Lucas is going to be there and it might have something to do with Star Wars and. I mean, Tim, you were the one that told me about this, but then I read about it some other places and people were thinking that this might be where we would get a casting announcement. But I mean, just the fact that that's two days from now and Alan Horn just today is saying that they still haven't completed the cast. I'm like, I wouldn't be hanging on the edge of my seat waiting for a casting announcement in two days um, unless they're just maybe waiting on like one final actor to just finalize their contract or something like that. But I definitely think within a couple of weeks is a uh definitely a reasonable expectation or he could just be wanting to keep it a secret and want this to be the big reveal and he doesn't 
want to draw speculation to it so it could be a good surprise I'm trying to throw us off the track maybe <laughs> i don't know or i'm just grasping at straws to really have hope that thursday is going to be the big announcement because <laughs> it's supposed to be like you said at the disney world hollywood studios george lucas is supposed to be there as a disney executives and uh supposed to be like a special breakfast because even there's some screenshots this is at uh making star wars.net that has this uh, report and there's like photos of the menus of the, the different like breakfast meals that you can get that are Star Wars themed. And so like the report is saying there's supposed to be uh, Lucas there and even some like classic Star Wars film actors in attendance. So of course this is not confirmed or anything. Then you were saying how the force net reported or they got a quote from a representative from Lucasfilm saying that they denied it. But again, there's still part of me is thinking, well, I just want it to be Thursday so I can know for sure. Cause maybe they're just denying it to keep it a secret and <laughs> they just want to have it to be a big, big old, surprise when it does happen so i don't know i'm still leaning towards the assumption where it can go either way really so i'm definitely anticipating this thursday to be either disappointed or really really excited <laughs> <laughs> well yeah see that's why i'm shooting for may 4th and that way if something comes out before then then it'll be a nice surprise yeah <laughs> but uh yeah and then just a couple other things that came out from this report today um, he said they haven't actually completed the full budget yet for Episode 7, but he said it, they expect it to be somewhere around uh, 175 to $200 million, which is kind of standard for like the bigger blockbusters these days. Um, and then he also said that even though Episode 7 was supposed to come out summer of next year and then they pushed it back to a December release, he said future Star Wars movies could return to their traditional uh, May release dates, but it depends on you know, the scripts and just where they are and ready to be in production and all that kind of stuff. So, um, kind of like with episode seven, now they push it back cause they needed more time. Um, it's nice that they're just going to release the movies, um, when they're done and when they have time to finish them and when they're ready to be released rather than just like trying to stick to a concrete schedule just for the heck of sticking to it. Yeah. I think like we, I think we talked about this before where like how, Marvel did it last year where they had uh, Iron Man 3 in the summer, but Thor the Dark World in the winter. And I wonder if that's going to be something they're going to do with Star Wars. Like, either if there's a movie once a year, have it take turns where one's in the summer, one's in the fall, or if there'll be an occasion where we get like episode eight or nine along with a standalone movie in the same year or once in the summer or once in the winter. So I think it's going to go back and forth. It's not going to be like, once it's December, it's going to say December, or they're going to go back to May and stay in May. I think they're just going to it's going to change depending on the movie, like you said, and how the scripts are and where they're at in production. So, which is fine by me. I mean, it would be nice to have if it be spread out where we're getting new Star Wars content, movie content in different parts of the year. So, we'll see what happens. But to me, it's not going to be too big of a deal. Once if one's going to be in December, one's going to be in May, and it keeps going back and forth. So, yeah, I think one movie a year is definitely enough for me, though. I mean, especially when we're also going to have Rebels going on at the same time. And, and when you think about all the stuff that goes out or goes on with the release of a Star Wars movie with, um, you know, merchandise and action figures and soundtracks and all that yeah, kind of it's stuff an event, that, we, really that, that we fans like to get into. Well, yeah, I mean, not just the, the release of the movie being an event, but then also um, – kind of all the stuff that follows that, you know, you want to get it on Blu-ray, you want to get the soundtrack, you want to get the action figures, you want to get a t-shirt, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, if we get two Star Wars movies a year, I'm not going to get all those action figures. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll be broke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it's not going to lessen the excitement for me anyway. That's one thing I'm not worried about as far as some maybe might fear there's going to be too much Star Wars to... Well, maybe I can see where they might think it might lose its 
like specialness of a new Star Wars movie, but at the same time, if the movie's good, I mean, that's all that really matters, and I'll be excited for it regardless. Even if it might not be, if it loses excitement of the new Star Wars movie, it's going to be pretty much the same for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of worried about that at first. Like when they said they'd be coming out with a new one every year, I was like, really? That seems like a bit much. Um, I've kind of come to terms with that now. I'm like, and like you said, obviously, regardless of how I feel about it throughout the year, you know, if I think it's going to be too much or you know, that there's too much Star Wars content coming out. On the day that movie comes out, I'm still going to be there and I'm still going to be excited about it. But I think one a year is good. I I think any more than one a year might be a little too much, especially, like I said, when we've got Rebels that's hopefully going to be ongoing for the next few years and new video games and all that kind of stuff coming out. It's like there is no shortage of Star Wars content already. Yeah. Maybe if there is two movies coming out the same year, one can like interfere with the other as far as getting spoiled on one where you're focusing on so much on one movie and then oh, you yeah. do on the other movie and you see that more with a, a fresh sense of not being spoiled. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm possible. sure I'll find a way to get spoiled on both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm still going to try to avoid that. <laughs> I wish you all the best. <laughs> oh, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all the Episode 7 stuff for this week. Although, I guess one other small thing we can touch on, um, IGN did a video interview with Simon Kinberg recently where he was talking about Star Wars, and they asked him specifically about the Expanded Universe. Um, And as we know, that's still sort of up in the air in terms of what's canon, what's not canon. But they asked him if that might get incorporated into any of the movies. And, um, I mean, he really didn't give any specific answer other than it's possible um you know that the movies are still in the works that they're drawing inspiration from different sources so if there's something in the expanded universe that they like and that they decide is canon they might bring that into a movie um or you know they could even adapt some eu stories into spin-off movies we've talked about that before but um you know he definitely didn't confirm or deny anything he just was kind of like yeah we're gonna look at everything and see what we want to do with it and what we want to take inspiration from and i know there are some people out there that are kind of going real extreme with it one way or the other like you were talking about or tim we were talking about this earlier before this episode but how some people out there are being like yeah he said that they're definitely not going to use it or that they they definitely are going to use it but he really didn't say much it was just sort of one of those diplomatic you know public relations type answers where it's like yeah we're, we're looking at it we're thinking about it but um you know definitely nothing concrete nothing to really latch onto and get excited about at this point yeah i was more surprised not with what he said in that interview but like you mentioned the reaction people took with it like they're going the extreme one way or the other i even heard some people complaining or saying help up oh, he didn't mention clone wars that means it must not be in canon because he only said the six movies i was like no i don't think really that's the case it just didn't pop into his head when he was saying that because i'm sure he hasn't seen all the clone wars episodes anyway just being brought into the producer role as rebel i'm sure he maybe saw a few but probably not all of them so i'm sure it didn't come to mind when he said that so yeah Clone Wars is still canon, and we don't know whether the EU is going to make its uh, appearance in any of the movies or not. It's still, yeah, who knows where it's going to be. Like you said, he just gave the diplomatic answer where he didn't say no, he didn't say yes, but he did specifically say the six movies are the canon, that's what they're going to go off of, of course. So nothing really new. <laughs> yeah, although I think uh, Simon Kinberg did say, like, back at the beginning when they first brought him on for Rebels, that part of the reason he took the job is because his kids really liked Clone Wars, and I think, you know, he had probably seen some of it with them, but, okay. um, 
And again, like you said, I think Clone Wars is considered canon, but as far as the movies go, I I don't know what you're going to incorporate from Clone Wars into a movie that wouldn't be incorporating, you know, the prequel trilogy in general. Um, Because the Clone Wars really just sort of fleshes out that time period. Any, I I think any really major events from that time period that are going to influence, you know, episode seven or any future movies would be stuff that happens in Revenge of the Sith. And we just see Clone Wars building up to that. Unless, of course, they're going to include a character like Ahsoka or Cad Bane or Captain Rex or somebody like that in one of the movies or in a spinoff movie. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's just talking about as far as looking at the stories of, you know, seven, eight, nine, like the big main movies, then, you know, looking at what comes before that, well, it's one through six, obviously. So that's just sort of the main source that they're looking at. And then they may or may not bring some other stuff into it. Yeah. So it's still wide open, really. (laughs) Yeah. So again, nothing to get too excited about for now, but too excited or too disappointed. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, you know, don't read too much into it right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for now. That's all the, the Episode 7 stuff, and we will just be waiting to see if we get a, uh, a casting rumor sometime in the next couple days or the next couple weeks or something like that. Hopefully that'll be what we do our next episode on. That would be nice. Yes, um, it would. <laughs> of course, regardless of when we get that announcement, we'll probably just, like, stop everything and do an episode and be like, it's finally here. Yes, we'll have to. <laughs> Waited so long. Yeah, so hopefully this is, uh, you know, it doesn't come out like Thursday because then it'll be, I'll get this episode edited and uploaded and posted and everything and then it'll be like, oh, time to record another one like the next day. (laughs) It won't be a bad thing though. I'll gladly record another episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm sure we'll be plenty excited for that. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, so of course we've been talking Rebels and uh, that's going to be exciting to see. Hopefully we'll also get a release date for that sometime soon, figure out when that's airing over the summer. But I mean, we're excited for Rebels, excited for episode seven, and we will just uh, keep you guys posted as we get more information about that kind of stuff. Um, Hopefully we also don't have any more heartbreaking canceled video game news coming out. Yeah, but... Before we end the episode, we do have some uh, listener feedback to read. We got a Facebook comment from Martin Alman, kind of giving his comments on what he thought of the Rebels clip and the new music theme. He says, it evokes classic Star Wars, of course, and I dig the new style. I don't think it's too far from the style of Clone Wars. You can tell it's in the same family of Star Wars animation. Can't wait. Yeah, totally agree. I think the majority of the reaction to the new Star Wars Rebels themes has been positive, just because, like he said, it just invokes that classic Star Wars sound, so... Definitely agree with you there, Martin. And then also we got an email sent to us um, from Andy, who um, I've actually been in communication with him through Twitter and Facebook a lot lately. He's hosts the podcast, uh, the Flash podcast, which is going to be based off the new series coming on the CW. So he just started getting into Star Wars and Clone Wars. So he chimed in with some thoughts about the new Rebels clips in Episode 7. And he says, what's up, fellow Jedi Knights? Name is Andy B. First time writing in. Discovered the podcast when I got to know Tim, and I have been going through some of the old episodes. Keep up the great job. So here's what I think about some of the latest Star Wars news that we've been getting. For Rebels, he says, while I'm still going slowly through Clone Wars, I'm super excited for Rebels. And while I have my hesitation towards CG animation, which is one of the reasons why I never watched the Clone Wars at the start, I'm starting to warm up to it. All the things we got from WonderCon with the clips and so on were great. I'm especially intrigued by the concept art that was released. 
It does come off a lot less original trilogy-ish, and I have heard that Rebels is aiming to have some similar feelings to the original trilogy. All I want now is a premiere date, as well as confirmation that they will be at the San Diego Comic-Con this year. You know what, maybe that's when they'll announce the premiere date, <laughs> if it's at Comic-Con. I'm sure they'll have a presence there, but hopefully we get the premiere date sooner. Yeah, I hope it's not that long. And then he goes on for episode seven. He says, I'm still pumped for the sequel trilogy, but it's getting silly that they still haven't announced the castings, but I assume that we will get it on May 4th. I just don't get why they haven't just said that the original three is back because right now it's the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Yes, it is. And what I'm hoping or what I'm hoping for May 4th is the revelation of who the new trio is going to consist of. Even though we all knew it was going to happen, I'm still happy that Peter Mayhew will be back as Chewbacca. Speaking of the new trio, I'm not sure how I feel about J.J. Abrams wanting to go with unknowns. I get that once upon a time, Ford, Fisher, and Hamill were all unknowns, and it worked out well for Star Wars. But look, at the same time, but at the time we live now, it feels like today it's either make it or break it for big franchises like Star Wars when it comes to casting. What do you guys feel about it? Sorry for the long email, and may the force be with you. Well, don't worry about the length of the email, Andy. <laughs> it could be any length. The longer, the better in my book. Hey, yeah, have you listened to our three-hour podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe hasn't gotten up to that yet, but yeah, we can rant about Star Wars all day. So, But regarding the casting for Episode Seven and the Unknowns, I kind of get what he's saying where the nowadays where everyone critiques everything with a casting twice. Maybe it could make or break the actor maybe, but I don't think it'll affect the Star Wars as a franchise at all. I mean, Star Wars is another thing. Anything can kill it, really. It's going to be here forever, long after we're gone. So maybe it could have a negative reaction towards an actor, but as far as like being fans so mad at a casting choice or something like that, or if it's something they don't agree with as a new and up-and-coming actor where they won't go see it, I don't think it's going to be like that. It's still going to make its money, and we'll just have to see for yourself as far as if you like the actor's portrayal of whatever character he's going to be in. So I don't, yeah, know, I don't think it's going to have a big effect on the actual franchise of Star Wars. Yeah, and as far as you know, the, the lash or backlash against casting choices and it making or breaking the movie or whatever. Um, I think that's a reason to go with unknown actors because, um, I mean, look at the, some of the recent casting choices with like, you know, Batman versus Superman and how everybody got all up in arms. Like, Oh, Ben Affleck is going to be a terrible Batman and Jesse Eisenberg is going to be a terrible Lex Luthor and blah, blah, blah. Well, if you've never heard of any of the actors in star Wars, like, at least you can't say they're going to be terrible because you've never seen any of their work before. And also these are new characters too. Um, whereas, I mean, I, I think a lot of these uh, casting choices that get a lot of backlash are from characters or from actors playing roles that are established and people have expectations of that character. So obviously, you know, everybody's got their own mental picture and their own sort of expectation of what Batman is supposed to be. And so all these people who are angry, they're angry because they don't think, Ben Affleck fits their picture of yeah. Batman. Whereas, I mean, I guess you could say people have their own picture of, you know, Jaina Solo or any of these characters from, uh, you know, after episode six in the Star Wars mythology. But, um, you know, I don't know, A, if they're going with those same characters. You know, these could be completely new characters. And we've talked about before how even if they are going to kind of fill those same roles, they might change them up a little bit, kind of do their own thing with it. So especially, you know, the, the new trio that they're talking about, um, 
it'll probably be an introduction to, to three completely new characters. And so if they pick unknown actors to play those roles, well, it's not going to be like, oh, we already know who this character is supposed to be. And that actor is not it. Um, you know, it'll be like new actor, new role. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. Now, if they were recasting someone to play Han Solo, then yeah, I could see a big backlash if people don't think they picked the right actor for that part. But, um, you know, like we said, it's, it's pretty much all but confirmed at this point that the big three are returning. Um, and yeah, for, for new actors, I'm kind of hoping that we, or for new characters, I mean, I, I'm kind of hoping we do get some unknown actors and it's not like that particularly hurts franchises either, because I mean, not only were Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford unknowns at the time when the original Star Wars came out, but then when the prequel trilogy came out, um, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman were virtually unknown um, Ewan McGregor had been in some stuff, but wasn't all that well known. I think that was a big boost for his career. And so, um, and then, I mean, you even look at lately with like some of the Marvel movies, um, Robert Downey Jr. had been in a bunch of stuff, but his career was sort of in a downward spiral. And so Iron Man was sort of like a, a breath of fresh air for him, I guess, sort of revived his career. Um, nobody knew who the heck Chris Hemsworth was before he played Thor. So it's not like every big movie nowadays has to pick, you know, well-known A-list actors. Um, Because these are the type of movies that cast A-list actors, but they're also the type of movies that make A-list actors. You know, somebody shows up in Star Wars, and then suddenly they're the next big thing in Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. And I get, as much as I'm excited and can't wait to get that announcement, for casting announcement, I also have a little dread as anticipating the fan reaction because you know there's going to be no matter who they cast there's going to be negative people out there saying how it's the worst thing ever this is ruining the franchise oh i thought jar jar was the worst thing to happen to always, <laughs> but now this actor is i was like getting prepared for all that stuff too it's gonna i won't let it ruin my excitement once it happens but it's gonna be annoying to go through once we see it all yeah i mean unless it's some actor that i hate you know unless they cast like justin bieber as exactly. ben skywalker <laughs> then i'm gonna you know just roll with it I'm either going to be excited or I'll be like, okay, at least now we know who it is and we'll just wait and see how they do. But I can't really imagine myself getting really angry and up in arms about this. Yeah, like you said, that's to be someone extremely bad, like Justin Bieber for me to get all <laughs> up in arms and go on a rant. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have even brought that up. <laughs> but uh no but andy thank you for the email um you know it's always nice when we uh, get feedback from new listeners and uh, hope you're enjoying the show and enjoying clone wars as you're going through that and uh of course you know we're all eagerly anticipating rebels in episode seven and all that good stuff so uh yeah thanks for uh for sending in your thoughts and that's it from us for this week so thank you guys for tuning in uh to andy and also martin for for sending in thoughts and comments and everything um, you guys can go ahead and, uh, check us out on iTunes and leave us a review on there. If you enjoy the show, you can, uh, send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. And you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC for all the latest Star Wars updates and news and rumors and things like that. So, um, as always, we will be back again with a new episode as soon as we've got some cool new Star Wars news to talk about. And until then, we will see you guys later, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody.